So the holiness of God. Let's start out with reading First Peter chapter one, verses 13 through 16. First Peter chapter one, verses 13 through 16. Starting in verse 13, it says this. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. All right. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, the command we see in verse 15 is to be what? Holy as God is holy. But like or according to the holy one who called you, be or become holy yourselves also in all Your behavior is what uh, verse 15 tells us. The command to be holy is a command that was given in Leviticus three times. Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 through 45, uh, chapter 19, verse 2 and chapter 20, verse 7. Let's turn over to Leviticus and consider some of those verses there. So Leviticus Chapter 11. Leviticus 11, starting in verse 44. It says, for I am the Lord, your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. Chapter 19, verse 2. Verse 1 says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And then in chapter 20, verse seven. It says, you shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy for I am the Lord, your God. So. This he says on the heels of uh, talking about child sacrifice and how he hates child sacrifice. And the man who offers his child over to uh, to Molech was to be put to death. He was to be cut off by the other people within the camp as well. They would not put him to death then the Lord would set his face against those people who did not follow his command. So child sacrifice is something that is contrary to the holiness of God. And then if you look at some of uh, some of the other verses here, uh, if like as in verse nine, it says, 
If there is anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood guiltiness is upon him. Again, this is something that is contrary to God's holiness. Uh, If a man, if there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. So these are things that show uh, what is contrary to the holiness of God. The call is for holiness, complete holiness. Again, the command in chapter uh, in first Peter chapter one is to be holy like the holy one, God, who called you to obey this command. We have to consider what it actually means then to be holy. Generally speaking, holiness is a perfect and unpolluted freedom from all evil. It is moral rectitude and integrity. That's what holiness is generally, generally speaking. It is a perfect and unpolluted freedom from all evil. It is moral rectitude and integrity. The word holy by by definition means this. It means properly, whole, entire or perfect in a moral sense. Hence, pure in heart, temper or dispositions, free from sin and sinful affections apply to the supreme being who is God. Holy signifies perfectly pure, immaculate and complete in moral character. And man is more or less holy as his heart is more or less sanctified or purified from evil dispositions. So that's what the word holy means by definition. Holiness, which derives from the word holy, is this. It is the state of being holy, purity or integrity of moral character, freedom from sin, sanctity. Applied to God, holiness denotes perfect purity or integrity of moral character, one of his essential Attributes. So those are some definitions of the word holy and the word holiness. And these are good definitions uh, as it relates to the holiness of God and also holiness in man. However, when it comes to God's holiness, we must take it further than what this definition spells out. And I think that, you know, the, the passages that we read, you'll see the magnitude of God's holiness. It's beyond just a simple man-made definition. Sometimes our words cannot find. Uh, we, we can't find the, the right words to say to describe God's holiness. But what does Exodus 15, 11 tells us? It says this. It says, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working Wonders. See, God is holy. There is no one like him. He is holy. So what does it mean that God is holy? So for those of us who listen to Paul Washer, undoubtedly you have that quote in your head of what Paul Washer says. 
God is holy and you are not. And as Paul Washer says, yes, that does present a dilemma for us, which we will see a little later in our discussion. But God is holy. The Bible says that only God is holy. Revelation 15, 4, it says, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name for you alone are holy. A.W. Pink says this, he says, God, speaking of God, he is independently, infinitely, immutably holy. Referring to the reference to God in scripture as the Holy One, which in the book of Isaiah, that's found 29 times, I guess, depending on your translation, it could be maybe more or less. But 29 times in the book of Isaiah, God is referred to as the Holy One. Pink says this about uh, God being called the Holy One. He says he is so because the sum of all moral excellency is found in him. He is Absolute purity, unsullied even by the shadow of sin. There is no sin in God, not even a shadow of sin in God. This gives us good perspective on what it means for God to be holy. God is perfectly holy without the slightest spot, blemish or moral defilement in him. Pink also says this. He says that God swears by his holiness because that is a fuller expression of himself than anything else. Psalm 89, verse 35 reads this. It says, once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. God swears by his holiness. God's holiness is the attribute of attributes. All other attributes are rooted in God's holiness. His power, as we discussed last week, is a holy power. God's power is never used in an improper way. The exercise of his power is good, excellent, and holy for God to not use his power in a just manner would make him a tyrant instead of a holy God, a holy and sinless God. His knowledge and wisdom and wisdom, as we discussed a couple of weeks before, is infinite, perfect. It's a holy knowledge and holy wisdom. Romans chapter 16, verse 27 says to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. We should glorify God's wisdom and we should praise his holiness. God's holiness is something that governs all of his perfections. Now, we've been considering the attributes of God. They're also called God's Perfections, And it is holiness that governs all of his perfections. His immutability means that he does not what he does not change. So in his holiness, God does not change. 
There is no change or shifting shadow in God. His eternality is a holy eternality. God is eternally holy. Never will there be a time or has there been a time when God was not holy or there will not be a time when he will not be holy. See, this is part of the the dilemma that becomes evident when we realize that, yes, God is holy and we are not. He is infinitely and eternally holy. We, however, are limping along the way. And this is not to make any excuse for us because the demand is for holiness and the demand stands and we must obey. And when we do not, as often as we do not, we deserve to be crushed by the holy, righteous hand of God. He is holy. God's holiness is intrinsic to who he is. His holiness defines his entire character. He alone is holy. All he does is holy. All of the attributes of God are his holiness. And when discussing God's attributes, it's important that we remember that there is no separation between them pertaining to God's character. His love, for instance, is not put on hold when his wrath is exercised. His patience is not put on hold whenever his his justice is exercised. All of these things operate together all and at once. Never does any part of who the omnipotent, omnipresent, eternally existent God cease to be at any moment. For him to need to stop at even one point in order to satisfy another would mean that he is finite. And we know that he is not. God is infinite. All of his characteristics operate perfectly at all times. So to even speak of God in parts concerning his attributes and his perfections is only to help our finite minds comprehend. God is one. God is perfect. God is holy. And we have these descriptions of who God is in the Bible to help us kind of comprehend who he is. Now, we will see him in all of his glory in eternity. We will be like him, as the word says. But for now, we have his word to describe who he is. And this kind of helps us understand who God is. But he is not to be taken in parts. He is one. Isaiah chapter six, verse three, it says this. It says, and one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Revelation chapter four, verse eight, it says, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings are full of eyes around and within. 
and day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Revelation chapter four, verse eight. Again, God swears by his holiness. The book of Amos chapter four, verse two, it says the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Stephen Sharnock says this about that. He said God singles it out to swear by as if it were the dearest to him. God singles it out to swear by as if it were the dearest to him. So, again, holiness is essential to who God is. Everything that God does is performed in holiness. Psalm 145, verse 17 says this. It says, Yahweh is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. It's Psalm 145, verse 17. Holiness is essential to God's nature. Apart from it, he would not be God. He did not choose to be holy, for then he might have chosen to be unholy as well. Nor was he somehow compelled to be holy. Rather, holiness is a free necessity. It is simply inconceivable that he should be anything but holy. Again, that, that is another uh, quote by Stephen Sharnock. And again, I told you, I, I look at his books heavily. Stephen Sharnock, A.W. Pink, Steve Lawson, they all have books on the attributes of God. And you can see how when reading A.W. Pink, he quotes a lot of Stephen Sharnock. You read Steve Lawson, he quotes a lot of A.W. Pink and Stephen Sharnock. So it's um, good to have these helps and these supplements to help, um, you know, what what the Bible says about God's attributes and who he is. And it's good to see things repeated over and over by trusted resources over time and to trust in those things and not look for something new, being on the lookout for the latest and greatest that's coming. It's good to see that these things are being these uh, biblical uh, principles are being repeated over and over again by trusted resources. Now, when we think of God's holiness, we must consider the fact that he is separate from his creation. God is in a category of his own when it comes to holiness. He is completely separate and other in a category of his own. God is so holy that he cannot be approached by sinful man. So when you think of what Jesus Christ did, that makes it all the more amazing, knowing that God is separate and holy God came from his dwelling place to dwell and walk amongst men to a place where there is sin from a place where there was no sin at all. 
and he came to this place to dwell with man, walk amongst sinful man. It's amazing when you think of it. And this is something that we'll discuss a little bit uh, a little bit further later. But I just wanted to point that out. So we're thinking about that and never forget about what it is that Jesus Christ did for uh, for sinners, for his his chosen ones. It's something that we should never forget. Never take the gospel lightly ever. We should remind ourselves of the gospel each and every day because it is miraculous. When God saves a sinner, it is miraculous. And we should always remember what he has done in our lives and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now let's consider the the nature of God's holiness. Any questions or comments before we before we move on? Can we be holy? Can we be holy? Yeah. By yeah. all the definitions you said, I yeah. think we can. You know. Well, see, yeah, and that's something that we will, we'll, we'll get to that. Definitely. We'll definitely get to that. But, yes. I'll say yes for now and explain it a little more later if you're okay with that. Yeah. Okay? All right. So, the nature of God's holiness Again, it is an essential and infinite holiness possessed by God. He did not have to learn how to be holy. God has always existed. He has always been perfectly holy. The nature of God's holiness is such that he hates evil. Evil is the opposite of holy. So by the nature of who God is, He must hate what is evil. God, in his nature, does not perform evil, nor does he approve of it. Now, he, in his sovereignty, allows for evil to take place, but in no way does he entice man to sin. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4 says this, it says, for I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are just a good, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. That's Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses three and four. James chapter one, verse 13, it says this. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. See, God hates evil. It's the opposite of who he is. So he must hate it. He does not perform evil. He does not approve of evil. He allows for it to take place, but he does not entice man to sin. God is cleared from any partaking in man's sin. 
God in his holy being, he abhors evil. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Let's turn there. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Chapter six, starting in verse 16, it says there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife. Among brothers, these are things that God hates. They are an abomination to him. Sinful things that are an abomination to God. God's hatred toward evil is an intense hatred. So much so that he hates those who do the works of iniquity. Psalm chapter five, verse five says this. It says the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. It is a perpetual anger that the Lord displays against those who commit these acts. Psalm chapter seven, verse 11 says this. It says. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. So this speaks to his anger and hatred toward sin and sinners. He is angry every day with sinners. His anger is a holy anger. His hatred is a holy hatred. This is the holiness of God. His holiness is perfect, even in his anger and even in his hatred. That's why we do not tell sinners when we evangelize them that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That is contrary to what the Bible says. We need to warn them of the danger that they face. We need to warn them of God's disposition toward them. He hates their sin. He hates the one who does iniquity. This is what the Bible says. And he's angry with you every day. This is what the word of God says. How dare we? Say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. No, no. See, that's going against the holiness of God's word. His word is holy. This is what his word says. He's holy. His word is holy. We have to stand on his word and we cannot apologize for what his word says. We have to speak the truth of his word and allow for his Holy Spirit to do the work. 
That is where the power is. It's not within us. It is the power of God. We have to speak the truth of his word. See, God, he does not coerce to sin. Sin is a voluntary act on the part of the wicked. This in no way diminishes God's absolute sovereignty. It simply clears God of any complicity in sin. How could God excite us to that, which when it is done, he would be sure to condemn us of. See, God does not coerce anyone to sin. Any questions or comments? Okay. God's manifestation of holiness. Where do we see God's holiness demonstrated? Well, one, we see it in the original state of creation. Genesis chapter one, verse 31. What does it say? It says, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. See, for God to say that everything was very good means that it had to be perfect and holy. Man who was created in God's image was made upright is what the scripture tells us. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 tells us. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29 says this. It says, Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. See, it's man who sins, man who seeks out sinful ways and sinful things to do. It's not God that coerces man to sin. Man seeks out many devices, whatever that may be, in opposition to God and his holiness. God does not coerce man to sin. Man does a great job of it. On his own. God's law is a manifestation of his holiness. The Bible tells us that Romans chapter seven, verse 12. It says the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. See, there is a manifestation of God's holiness in his law. Psalm chapter uh, 19 verse 7 Psalm 19 verse 7 turn there with me <clears throat> starting in verse 7 it says this it says the law of the Lord is Perfect, 
restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. So God's law is a manifestation of his holiness. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, verse seven says. Verse eight, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And then we get to verse nine. So another manifestation of God's holiness is when he inflicts judgment upon those who violate his law. That is a manifestation of his holiness, a demonstration of his holiness. Verse nine says the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. So when he inflicts judgment upon sin, he is completely justified in that. No man nor angel was forced to sin. They sinned. Willingly, God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. Again, it was man's choice to sin. But God, in his holiness, is obligated to punish sin. We cannot blame God for man's sin, nor can we fault him for the punishment of it. There are no excuses. As Sharnock says, he says, the ruin of a house brought about by a careless tenant in no way reflects on the builder who left who left it in a good condition at the first. The ruin of a house brought about by a careless tenant in no way reflects on the builder who left it in a good condition at the first. God made man. He said it was good. Everything that he made, he said it was very good. It was man who sinned. So God absolutely is powerful enough to prevent sin from happening. Lastly, we we discussed how much more evil would be in the world if God would lift his hand of restraint. He restrains sin by his power, his omnipotence. That is one way that he uses his power to restrain sin. Could this same power have prevented sin from entering the world to begin with? Certainly it could have. God is all powerful. Remember, though, this is God's sovereign plan, not ours. So the same question from uh, from scripture that we considered last week, let's consider it again. Romans chapter nine, verse 22. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared 
for destruction. Something that we have to consider. God prevents more sin than he permits. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Psalm 76.10, King James Version. That's what it says. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Matthew Henry says this. He says, men must never permit sin because they cannot check it when they will. But God can. He can set bounds to the wrath of man as he does the raging sea. So absolutely, God is able to prevent sin. The fact that he allows it in no way diminishes his holiness, nor should we ever consider his allowing of sin and punishment thereof unfair. Because if we were to get fair, we know we would all be burning in hell right now if we were to receive fairness from God. God is holy. Man is not. And that's I know that that's heavy stuff. Right. But consider this. Sin was permitted in order to accomplish greater good. It was permitted in order to accomplish greater good. Another quote by Sharnock says this only by the entrance of sin could we have ever seen the wonders of saving mercy. Furthermore, the justice of God revealed in the punishment of the wicked would have remained an unknown perfection. See, God in his sovereignty allows for sin, but he also causes all things to work together, right? For the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, but his perfect plan will not be hindered. And those who think they escape the justice of God are going to find out in the day of wrath that they did not. Those who have trusted in Christ will glorify God for his punishment of sin. So we should always, you know, it's something that we do struggle with at times to understand why God, why did you allow this? But we have to understand that it is all a part of his perfect plan. He is holy. The fact that he allows sin does not diminish his holiness at all. All right. One more consideration of the the, uh, demonstration of God's holiness. Any more questions before we before we go on? Okay, Andy, don't let me forget your question. All right. 
One more demonstration of God's holiness. God's holiness is made manifest in the death of his son. God's holiness is made manifest in the death of his son. See, this is where we see God's holy wrath acted out. See, it was better for the son to die than for sin to live. And Christ conquered both sin and death. But see, the fact that the son had to die to pay for sin, it shows how much God hates sin. And it is only the son that could have died and suffered the eternal wrath of God on the cross. See, none of us are worthy to die, not even for our own sin, let alone the sin of the whole world. But we see God's holiness made manifest in the death of his son. Not one ounce of God's wrath was held back from the son. The father did not hold back his cup of wrath and the son drank the cup to the full. See, when we drink something that we like, we may take the cup or take the bottle and turn it all the way upside down to get the very last drop of what it is that we are drinking. Right. Just to to get that last moment of pleasure from what we're drinking, what we're, you know, what, what we uh, what we're enjoying at that time. But no matter what, whenever we turn that bottle or that cup all the way upside down, whenever we put it back down, there's still residues, moisture that remains within that cup or within that bottle. Not so with Christ. There was nothing left in the cup when Christ drank the cup of wrath. It is as if God squeezed the cup to make sure that the very last drop of his wrath fell out. And it had to be that way in order for you, in order for me to be able to see the holy face of God in all of his splendor. Christ had to pay in full. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Starting in verse 10 and we'll read to the end. It says, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant will justify the many. 
as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. God's holiness made manifest in the death of his son. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Right. So that we might become the righteousness of God. God's holiness manifests in the death of his son. That tells you something of just how bad sin truly is. And we should want no part of it in our lives. It is wicked. It destroys. Holy God had to come from his dwelling place to this earth. Suffer shame and humiliation. On this earth, on the cross, when he took on the form of man. And he had God's wrath, the Holy Father's wrath poured out on him for sin. And for those of us who believe in Christ, who have repented of sin and trusted in Christ, we should think long and hard before we walk willfully into sin, before we make an excuse for sin. See, because no way will we suffer the same way that the son of God suffered. So the call for us to be holy, it is not a a demand that we should shirk at and, and, you know, kind of resist and fight against. It is a command that we should willingly walk forward in being holy, do everything that we can to be holy, knowing the price that Christ paid for us. One more quote, it says this, it says infinite holiness allowed for no paternal leniency. It was as if God's affection for his holiness surmounted his affection for his son. While Christ hung on the cross, the father seemed to lay aside the heart of a father and put on the garb of an enemy. This was only proper since Christ put on the garb of a sinner. The death of Christ vindicated the honor of God. The death of Christ vindicated the honor of God. It restored the credit of divine holiness in the world by destroying sin 
and restoring the image of God in man. See, that's heavy when we think about what took place. Colossians chapter one, verses 19 through 23. Colossians one, verses 19 through 23. Starting in verse 19, it says, for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him. To reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. It's Colossians chapter one, verses 19 through 23. And all of this, we see God's holy love. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is only through God's justice being satisfied through the pouring out of his wrath and the death of his son for sin that we can be reconciled to God. Saints, this is but a glimpse of the holiness of God. And again, truly a full study could be done in consideration alone of God's holiness. However, even in this limited view, we must pause and ask the question, In light of this, in light of God's holiness, how then should we live? How should we conduct ourselves? Number one, never take lightly the holiness of God. Never take lightly the holiness of God. Fear and reverence God as holy. See, this should affect our prayer our reading the word, our overall worship of God on Sunday mornings and the worship of God every day with our lives. Never take lightly his holiness. Take his holiness seriously, to put it another way. Do not be like those who claim to have had a conversation with with God. Or, you know, had this revelation from God that contradicts his word. Consider the reactions of those in the Bible when they were able to get a glimpse of God. Moses got a glimpse of the hind parts of 
God and had to cover his face. Isaiah. What was his reaction? Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. Paul, when seeing Christ on the Damascus road, fell on his face. The transfiguration. How did Peter act there? And then you have people that say that they've seen God. They've had a conversation with God. Are you kidding me? My question is, and you're still here because no man can see him and live. So don't you know, we we don't want to play with God's holiness. And there's so much. Again, I think I've said it the past few weeks. There's so much garbage that is out there. And so many people follow after all of the garbage that is out there. Yet they are so far from God. So many people who call themselves pastors and ministers and preachers and teachers of the word use God's word as a footnote just to further advance their agenda and to fill their pockets. See, this is something that we we do not want to be those who take God's holiness lightly. Number two, we are to obey the command to be holy. Again, first Peter, chapter one, verse 15. But we should be holy like the holy one who called you. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. With all that, we are to seek to obey the command to become more holy, as the scripture says in All of our behavior in all your behavior. Seek to be holy. See, this should be what our mind is set on being conformed to the image of the son of God, seeking to be holy in all of our conduct. See, we have to forget about what the world says about us because the world will have so much to say about those of us who are pursuing holiness. If our pursuit of holiness brings about persecution, then do as our Lord Jesus Christ says. What does he say? Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we are to seek to be holy, be holy, even if it brings about persecution, no matter what anyone says. Let that be your goal. Let holiness be your aim. Don't take any days off. Don't make excuses for sin. Get rid of sin. Do what the Lord says. Be holy. See, there there is always the temptation to say as some often do. It doesn't take all of that. Whatever that is, it doesn't take all of that, right? God would want for you to have a good time and enjoy yourself. But see, does that good time and enjoyment cause you to compromise holiness? 
by leading to sin. If so, abstain from it. Abstain from it. Seek holiness in all your behavior. Number three, grow in love for God and in hatred of sin. Grow in love for God and in hatred of sin. Grow in hatred of sin. God hates sin. So too must we hate sin. Habakkuk chapter one, verse 13, it says your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. See, if we love God, we are to hate sin, both in our lives and in the lives of others. We don't celebrate sin in the lives of others. When we see that they are heading down the path of destruction, we warn them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them know of the impending danger that lies ahead of them. Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of of the wicked. Psalm 97:10 tells us. Number 4. Regard God's word as holy. Again, make no excuses for his word in order to pacify yourself or anyone else. As 1 Peter tells us, the word of the Lord endures forever. In your pursuit of holiness, you cannot neglect the word of God. As you read his word, you will realize more and more how holy God is. And as you obey his commands, you will become more holy in your conduct. You will be conformed to the image of his son. Let's see. You also have to understand, and this is my next point, that the pursuit of holiness is not a mindless pursuit. So, as a farmer cannot expect to reap a harvest if he did not put in the, the necessary work to produce the crops, neither can you expect to be holy without an active pursuit of it. You must strive for holiness. Listen, this is not works-based salvation. Rather, it is the word of God. Here's what God's word says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So you must strive for holiness. Fight against sin. Crucify Sin in your pursuit of holiness and also depend on the power of the Holy Spirit for you cannot do this on your own. The father requires holiness. The son is the way. The Holy Spirit gives the power to live out what 
the Father requires. So we are to strive for holiness. Next point, take comfort in knowing that your striving for holiness is not in vain. Through the work of Christ on the cross, the image of God is restored in man who repents and believes in him, in Christ. God is absolutely holy and he is absolutely righteous. He will not reject those who are in true pursuit of the holiness that only he can provide. See, God is absolutely holy in our striving for holiness. Any accomplishment, for lack of better words, any growth in holiness, I'll say, comes from God. He is the giver of holiness. It's not because of our acts that we perform that we are holy, but because of what God provides. He is the one who is holy. He gives holiness. You know, we grow in holiness, grow in righteousness. And, you know, we we have to consciously pursue this holiness. Now, are we perfect in our pursuit? No, we are not. But there is the grace of God that covers our sin and we cannot out sin God's grace. We should never try to out sin his grace. But it is a pursuit that we must be fully focused on without without excuse. Be holy. Philippians 1 6, it says, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So can we be holy? Yes. Are we as holy as we will ever be? No. There is the process of sanctification. Sanctified to be sanctified means to be set apart, set apart for what? Holiness. So. Each of us are going to be in a different spot when it comes to sanctification. Some of us may seem like we are up here. Others may seem like they're down here. Do we compare ourselves to each other? By no means. By no means do we compare ourselves to each other. Because why? Because we're focused on the glorification that will come because of the price that Christ paid for us on the cross. And we pick up our brothers and our sisters who may be stumbling along the way and we spur them on to further holiness. We encourage them. So when the Lord, when God looks at us again, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of God. So when God looks at us, he looks at us as being clothed in the righteousness of Christ and what Christ has done. And when his son took on the wrath, he was treated as you and you 
and you and me should have been treated on that cross. He was he died on the cross, lived the perfect life, died on the cross where he suffered the wrath of God, taken off of that cross. And before he was taken off of the cross, he said it is finished. He completed the work on the cross. He was taken off of the cross, laid in the tomb where he was resurrected on the third day, as the scripture said, for our justification. So God looks at us as if we never sin. So, yes, we can be holy, but this is not cheap grace. It's not antinomianism. So God looks at us as if we never sin. So let's go out and live it up. No, we are to strive for holiness in all of our behavior. Strive for it. Wake up in the morning. Think about how you can strive for the holiness, how you can be more like the son of God, how you can be conformed to his image. You have to be in his word. You have to be in prayer. It is a must. It is a must. It isn't strive for holiness only if there are no excuses. Be holy as your father is holy. Jesus took it to its end. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That is a requirement to walk into the presence of God for eternity. Perfection. Sinless perfection. But see, the dilemma that we talked about before is satisfied in the cross of Christ for those who believe. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Psalm 11, verse 7. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. First John chapter three, verse two. So that's a promise that we have to look forward to. So, beloved, take comfort in these things. The commandment to be holy must be obeyed. And the Lord will give us the strength to live holy lives through the power of his Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter one, verses three and four. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Holiness is evidence of our election. It makes us fit for communion with God. So, yes, we can be holy in this life. Is it going to be as holy as we will be in eternity when that the, the image of God is Fully restored in us? No, it is not. But we take no days off here in striving for holiness. Final quote, and then we'll pray. God and man 
cannot enjoy each other unless they resemble each other. He chose us in Christ that we should be holy. He will not own us as children without this mark upon us. See, and it's his mark of holiness that he puts on us. We must strive for it. But remember, it's nothing that we do. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. Let's pray. And then if there are any questions, I'll stay here. We can, you know, we can go through any questions or comments that you have. But those of you who do have to leave, that's fine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. And as we say on a weekly basis that we are only scratching the surface of who you are, Lord. But we thank you for your word that you have given to us, the word that is living and active, that is sharper than any two edged sword. God, we thank you for this word because we know that in it we can learn more about who you are, God. We can learn about your commands that are holy and we can seek to strive. We can we can seek to obey them by striving, God, for holiness. Help us, God, to obey your command to be holy as you are holy, because without holiness, no man shall see you. Lord, and we know that we have the promise in your word that we will be like you because we will see you as you are. That means, God, that we will see you face to face. We don't have to hide between the the, the crescents of a rock, God, to see you. We don't have to hide our faces Lord, because we know that on the the merit of what Jesus Christ, your son, who is God, who is holy, what he has done on behalf of sinners who would repent and believe in you. We know that we have the promise that we will see you. Face to face as you are, God, apart from sin in a place where sin will be no more. And we look to that day until then. God, I pray your blessing upon each and every person that is in this room. And I ask you, Lord, as they seek you out, as they pursue holiness through your word, God, through their actions that conform to your word, through any persecution or hatred that may come their way because of their focus on being holy. I pray, God, in all of this, that you would strengthen them along the way by the power 
of your Holy Spirit. Help them to look to the cross of Christ and remember what he has done and remember what he has called us to, which is to be holy. And Lord, what you require, you provide the way for. And we thank you, God, for your provision. Help us to obey your word. In Christ's name we pray.